This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, goal. Go, hey. Gets a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, welcome to A's Cast Live as we're getting you ready for another game between the Athletics and the New York Yankees. Really excited about today's show. Quickly, just giving you an idea what we have going on. Scott Emerson, the pitching coach, is out shagging balls right now. We'll have him when he's done shagging. Lucas Ursig, who continues to be one of the great stories for the athletics coming out of the bullpen is going to be here after batting practice. The general manager, David Forrest here at 515, a lot to talk to him about. And then Ryan Rucco, who does play by play for the Yes Network and the Yankees. And you see him on ESPN. He is going to join us around 530. I can tell you two things that excite me. One, beating the Yankees. If there's one team you want to beat and I can't stand, that's the New York Yankees. Call me petty. Call me whatever. Can't stand the Giants. I can't stand the Yankees. And beating the Yankees, I enjoy it. And I'm going to enjoy it here. I'm going to enjoy it on A's Cast, A's Cast Live. I enjoyed it last night on NBC Sports as I was doing the postgame show. And... My man Dave Stewart goes, I just, you know, like beating him because it's because uh, uh, it's beating excellence and da-da-da. I said, I don't care, Dave. I just like beating him because I hate him. <laughs> and I am not changing. That's number one what I'm excited about. Number two what I'm excited about is the Futures game. We were excited last year when Shea Langoliers was involved. Cody, where was the All-Star game last year? I forget. Uh, that would be in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. Oh, that was Dodger Stadium last Oh, that's right, Albert Pujols. Uh, all right, so Dodger Stadium. This year it's in Seattle. And excited for two guys to be going to the Futures game because normally vacation time, I probably still won't watch it because I try and get away from baseball. But come on, A's fans. We're sitting here trying to sell future to you. What's the future? Who's the future? Who's going to help? And the fact that Tyler Soderstrom and Lawrence Butler, and Lawrence Butler, 
who we've been tracking, but obviously what he did in spring. He had an opportunity to stand out because there was playing time available and he took advantage of it and he wowed everybody. And now he's going to the Futures game. Looking at his numbers right now in Midland, he's hitting 284, nine dingers, 39 RBIs, 10 stolen bases. It's the all-around game. He's got an 810 OPS. He's in the Futures game. That's huge for his career. Think about where Lawrence Butler has gone from spring training. I'm going to show everybody. Electric. The new Oakland. And then now he's going to the Futures game. And let me tell you something. Everybody in baseball watches the Futures game. Everybody. And then you throw on Tyler Soderstrom, who I'm going to keep saying it. I can't remember a player. Having been around this for a long time. And this, you know, I can, this kind of goes back to when I was in college playing. Because I played against Jason Giambi in college. And everybody likes to bring up the fact that I gave up a huge home run to Jason Giambi in college, which is correct. They never bring up the fact that I struck him out. But Giambi coming up, I mean, if you remember Jason Giambi, Long Beach State, it was him and Phil Nevin. Phil Nevin would be the first overall pick by the Houston Astros. He's now the manager of the Los Angeles Angels, which I got some notes on the Angels that are pretty, wow. Angels are in a dilemma because the story of Shohei Otani has now gotten to be so, it's like not even real. It's like a Disney movie. But what do you do? And they're winning. But you also have to think of the future of your organization. We'll get to that in a little bit. But Jason Giambi came up, and obviously Mark McGuire took him under his wing, and then Giambi came the guy, obviously was a great leader, A's, Moneyball, Billy Bean, turned this thing around, and the A's are going to the playoffs. And they had some great teams. And the fact that they didn't go further in the playoffs, it stings. It's going to sting everybody for a long time. But it still was magical. They wrote a book about it. They made a best-selling book. And then a movie about it, which was up for an Oscar. It was a great period that we just celebrated uh, last year in Oakland, the Moneyball team. But that whole era and those players, it was special. We'll ne we're never going to forget them. But I'm thinking of a hitter that's coming up. Miguel Tejada was pretty big. I mean, I go all the way back. I called play-by-play -play for the San Jose Giants against the Modesto A's, and Miguel Tejada was supposedly a 20-year-old shortstop. Cody, how, how old was he really in Modesto? Sorry, what, sorry I was talking to Emo. Uh, Are emo, you around? Well, what are you doing? Yeah, Emo's here, so let me, uh, let me, let me add him. We'll have to go back to Soderstrom. There you go. There's, there's Emo. Well, now I was talking about Miguel Tejada, when I was calling play-by-play -play for the San Jose Giants, and Miguel Tejada was a Modesto A, and they said he was 20 years old. How oh, old was he really at that time? That's a great question. Do we ever find out how old he actually was? Probably 25, <laughs> 6 maybe? That's what Soderstrom is. Soderstrom is the next great hitter, like legit, like great hitter that's coming up that's in that kind of elk. We'll talk about that. But before we do that, a man that, you know, you think about in your career – and I've said it with what we do here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. It's really easy 
to do good stuff when you're winning. And it's really easy to be walking around as a coach when you've got a bunch of guys winning games and your starters are great and your bullpen's great and everybody's telling you how good you are. But what really tells you how good of a coach you are is how you develop when things aren't going good. And Scott Emerson, watching your pitchers, you've had to deal with a lot of different guys this year. And to watch you juggle all these different guys, and you've had a lot of sleepless nights, and it hasn't been easy for you. To watch your pitchers get better, and the numbers truly show it, not only, and I know you're going to be very humble, and we'll talk about the players, but you got to be happy about the job that you and the staff are doing because that's what coaching is. No matter what the record is, making your players better and your players are getting better. Well, I think that, uh, you know, the goal every day is to stick to the process. You know, you, you go out in each and every day and you're trying to get everybody one day better, you know, whether it's physically or mentally. And, and you know, that's what we're trying to do as a pitching group uh, is to get everybody to, you know, at some point reach their maximum potential. And, and you know, we got a bunch of grinders here that, uh, you know, uh, staff-wise and player-wise that wants what, what's best for everybody. And sometimes, you know, you have to make some change, and sometimes you, you have to make it physically and you have to make it mentally. And, and obviously there's some emotions going around uh, when you're not winning ball games, but you got to also think of big picture thinking about, you know, where, where are we going? You know, uh, you, you, know, you know the famous saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. And so you're trying to build something for the future of this organization. And, uh, you know, I think by sticking to the process and, and, you know, understanding the task at hand is where do we see these guys in the future? And, and are they making progress on the little things to uh, become better? You know, when you think about what's the number one thing that changes, a lot of people want to think physical. Everybody wants to think it's, you know, because we're physical beings. So we want to think, is it something that you did with mechanics? Is it something you did with release point, grip change? And, and, and so many times you want to tell people, you know, guys got here for a reason. They've been playing professional baseball. A lot of them understand how to get outs at a lower level, but to get outs at this level, so much of it is the mental side of the game. It's the preparation. It's the hours before that the fans never see. Talk about when you think the light went on for some of these guys about the preparation, getting better mentally, that translates into getting outs on the mound. Well, you know, you can be, you know, I was in the minor leagues a long time, right? So you, you can understand that, you can go out there and you can watch a guy perform and physically dominate uh, their opponent based on their stuff. And then their opponent has to react. Are they swinging outside the strike zone on their pitches? You know, I got a 97 mile an hour fastball. I can kind of throw it anywhere and my opponent in the minor league swings at it. I got good separation from my changeup and my opponent swings at it. I got a breaking ball that's in the zone and then out of the zone and it, it's breaking late. Now all of a sudden you get to the big leagues and these guys just don't chase those pitches as much. So now what do I got to do? I got to put it closer to the strike zone. And and there's a lot that goes on, you know, my fastball. I'm not saying that uh, you have to use it as your primary weapon. What I'm saying is when you use it, it's got to be useful. Your breaking ball, you know, 
we've talked always by saying if hitting's time and pitching is disruption of time and can I disrupt a hitter's time and can I throw a changeup in a fastball count? Can I throw a breaking ball in a fastball count? Can I stay out of the middle of the plate behind in the count? Can I stay out of the middle of the plate ahead of the count? Um, what are my best pitches in the big leagues? You know, guys will come up to the big leagues and we'll think one pitch is their best pitch and in reality it's a different pitch. It's a different breaking ball. And, uh, you know, you, you, the experience comes from here at the big league level. What do you do at the big league level? It's great. Hey, look, I, I've been in the minor leagues a long time, and, and I, now I've been in the big leagues, what I consider a long time. And you get to blend that and understand that, you know, not everything works in the minor leagues is going to work in the big leagues, and not everything in the big leagues works in the minor leagues. But the process we talked about earlier, what's the process? When I throw my fastball, I got to be useful with it, no matter what the velocity is. Do I have a, a pitch when I'm in a fastball count that I can throw that's not a fastball and stays away from damage? And that's where the data shows up uh, against certain hitters. You know, they, they, they generally have a spot where they can, you know, hit the fastball. And can we exploit that? Some of our guys can exploit it. They got to go strength on strength right now. Uh, you know, that's where we're trying to show them where when you move your fastball, you can go uh, 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 your strength on his weakness because hitters have a weakness. And what breaking ball do I throw to this hitter? If I've only got one breaking ball, I can only throw that one. Now where's the best spot to throw that breaking ball and when? You know, um, our, our opponent, Josh Donaldson, you know, this guy hits breaking balls in the strike zone a lot. And if, you, if, you, if he constantly sees it, he is going to punish you. And we made a mistake. Uh, we didn't get it to the location. And, and JD did what I've seen this guy do for 15 years, <laughs> right? And it's punished bad off-speed stuff. Um, but luckily for us, it was one mistake, and, and we ended up winning last night's ball game. JP Sears going tonight. You know, the first time I met him, and you know, when he came over from the Yankees in the trade, and, and you knew he went to the Citadel, a military college, you started to understand who this guy is, very regimented. You know, he's the guy that's not going to be a procrastinator. He's the kind of kid that's going to get up early and make his bed every single morning. That's the kind of guy he is. Uh, and it also translates onto the field. He is so mentally tough. Is he going to go out there and blow 98 by everybody? No. But he just competes. And as Dave Stewart says all the time about him, I know they did an interview yesterday, is he's got guts. Talk about somebody, when, you know, he's a competitor. But there is something to that when a guy's got guts and he's up for the challenge. A great haircut, too. You know, you know guts to me is the ability to, to stay within your game plan and stay disciplined. Don't just make a pitch because, oh, well, he hasn't seen that pitch all night. I might, maybe I'll trick him here. You know, it's having that discipline to to uh, understand who you are, what you do, and, and take the data and, and maximize your potential with that data. So you're blending in your game plan and you're sticking to it the best you can. If this guy uh, can't hit high fastballs, well, he's probably going to see more high fastballs. But then you got to have that discipline. Well, when I do throw this slider, I'm going to throw it in the dirt and below the zone where he can hit it to change the the, the perception of the pitch, and then I'm going to go back to that high fastball. You know, we, we've always seen where, where you know, guys throwing three or four high fastballs, he beats a guy to the spot, then he throws a breaking ball for a base hit, and we go, why didn't he throw another fastball, right? 
Uh, and then if he throws that another fastball, we might say, well, dang, you just can't keep throwing the same pitch over and over again and, and get, keep getting the same results sometimes. So part of pitching is understanding your mistake, and he does that great. Hey, look, I'm going to bounce this breaking ball to go back to my fastball. I'm not going to throw it for a strike. And, yes, sure, do we make mistakes? We make mistakes on all pitches. But, uh, you know, I think JP understands who he is and what he's capable of doing. He stays in his pocket and does his thing. You know, you're playing zone defense, he's guarding his area. He's not leaving the zone to guard some a guy man-to-man and getting burned. He's understanding his craft. He takes great pride in it, and it's, it's fun to watch. Well, I don't think back in your day they could play zone defense against you because you would shoot them out of the zone defense. I, I, I sure would try. That's for sure. I wouldn't stop shooting. I know that. Yeah, you throw up a zone against you. You're now you're, you're daring me to shoot this deadly jumper. That's for sure, uh, Townie. You know, uh, basketball is a great game. <laughs> you know, I, I start thinking about Paul Blackburn and how tough it was for him not to be a part of this thing at the start. It's just it, it, it was burning inside him. And you're talking about a finger, then a fingernail. Just talk about what he has meant stability-wise, leadership-wise to your staff coming back. You know, I think Paul is a a great leader by example. You know, uh, I call him Picasso. He goes out there and, you know, he doesn't have the greatest stuff. We all know that. He knows that. I mean, we we talked about it today in our our post-game meeting with him. Uh, He's got that ability to pitch to the edges. He doesn't give in. Uh, He makes pitches when he has to. That's some grit right there, too, that, no, hey, I got to make this pitch with two strikes. I got to make this pitch uh, behind in the count. And like I said earlier, yeah, we're going to make some mistakes because that's called the game of baseball. We're going to leave some pitches uh, close to the middle of the plate. But his intent is really good. He understands what his capabilities are. And when Paul goes out there, you know what you get out of Paul. And you can't ask for anything more than knowing what you're going to get from a starting pitcher. And it's a lot of fun to watch. I'm so glad he's back. Another guy I want to talk about, James Caprillion, because some people say, Emo. He's not throwing as hard. Oh, my God, the data. He's not throwing as hard, yet he's more successful. Why is that? Well, yeah, you know, I mean, you you have what you have, right? And uh, Cap is one of the hardest working guys in our clubhouse. And, uh, you know, when you go out each night and if you don't have your fastball, you got to be able to move it around, change speeds like we talked about. And, and, you know, he's learning to do that better and better and better each and every outing. He knows what he's bringing into his arsenal each and every day. You know, he's got a, a four-seamer, a two-seamer, a curveball, a slider, and a changeup. And not every day can you break out all your pitches at one time. So, you know, when he's warming up for the bullpen, when, he, when he's in between innings, he knows what pitches are good and what pitches aren't working good. He knows what he's confident in throwing and what he's not confident in throwing at that certain time. So, you know, when you're out there in the heat of the moment and uh, you've got the ability to have four pitches and at least have one of your breaking balls each and every day, one of your fastballs, and hopefully your changeup, you're going to be successful. And uh, right now he, he's showing up, and he's got he's got the sinker slider going. He's been still working on his four-seamer. He drops in his curveball every now and then, and he throws that changeup to left-handed hitters and right-handed hitters every now and then as well to keep them off balance. So, you know, uh, what he's been doing the last month has been a, a really good job. Lucas Ersig. It's it's an unbelievable story on and off the field. Let's stay on the field. Here's a guy that's still finding his way, and we're watching him throw. Not only does he got gas, but you're watching him throw a changeup 
on a consistent basis, 91-92, throwing it for strikes, throwing it as a strikeout pitch. He's a former position player who's still learning as he goes. What's it like been working with him? And just talk about how, how you're trying to help him pr- progress because he doesn't have a lot of innings underneath his belt, but, but obviously the arm is special. Yeah, you, you, you know, the, the one thing is he knows how hard it is to hit, right? Because he was a hitter, right? Yeah. So he knows that if hitting's time and pitching is separation of timing, and he's done a great job. You know, the one thing we've talked about is speeding up that breaking ball a little bit, making it a little tighter, a little harder. You know, he throws it up. It's going to probably look like a cutter up and into the lefties, maybe chasing the right-handers a little bit. And he throws it down the way. It's going to look like a slider. And, uh, you know, just throwing everything with good intent. And when you have good intent and you're, you're under control with your delivery, you're going to probably have a good changeup. And he's got that in his pocket. And it's really fun that, uh, you know, in a hitter's count that he can pull out that uh, changeup. And then when you show it enough and they're sitting changeup or looking in the back of their mind, hey, this guy might throw a changeup, then he beats you with 96 to 100. That's a great feeling as well. So, you know, he's, for me, his delivery is fairly polished. Uh, you know, we're just, you know, with our with our uh, biomechanist, uh, Ethan Stewart, we, we always, uh, you know, kind of uh, check, uh, check and make sure these guys are, are staying in their ranges. And, and he's got a really good delivery that we like a lot. And when you're able to repeat your delivery, you're able more so hopefully be able to develop better quality pitches in the zone and out of the zone when you want to. You know, that's something that, wow. I, I, I know Trevor Hoffman used to talk about that. Uh, going from a position player to a pitcher, Ursig's kind of like that, going from that kind of guy. Uh, Otani, I never thought about that from the standpoint of Shohei Otani, what an advantage, you know, as an everyday hitter in the big leagues and being a pitcher, how how his pitching helps get hitters out because he's got an idea of what hitters are thinking. I've never really thought about that. That's pretty interesting that Ursig obviously hit at, a, hit at a high level at AAA that you can, like, you can view yourself and what was the hitter thinking at that point. I never thought about that. Yeah, don't forget cool. about uh, Sean Doolittle now. I mean, yeah, when do, I was yeah. in Double A, Doolittle was our first baseman, and that guy could that guy could hit, play first base. But you know, uh, sometimes uh, you know, uh, fear no one, respect everyone. That's kind of uh, you know a, a pitcher's type thing. You fear nobody in the spot in the box, but you respect everybody. But sometimes when guys get to the big leagues at first, and all of a sudden, oh, dude. Mike Trout's in the box or, or Shohei's in the box. Now that little that little fear comes into mind. But now that, hey, man, I, I, I've been in that box before. I, I know that it's not easy. And then all of a sudden, I know it's not easy hitting a guy throwing 98 with a changeup. So I, I think uh, Lucas has a good advantage of understanding that hitting is not easy. And, uh, you know, you go out there, you change speeds and throw strikes, you're going to have the advantage. Well, we appreciate the time. I just want to just want you to know we've been uh, – Giving you a lot of praise here on A's Cast Live. I've also done it on NBC to make sure people understand the job that you're doing. Uh, it's not easy, but it's definitely showing in the numbers. Your guys are getting better, and that's what coaching is all about, making people better, Emo, and you're doing a great job doing it. Yeah, you just you know, it's, it's, you just want the guys to go out there and, and feel good about themselves and, like I said earlier, maximize their potential. And that, that's, that's all I try to do with these guys is – Try to milk the most out of them, and, and uh, we go from there. All right, we'll see you on Friday. All right, thanks for having me. The great Scott Emerson, pitching coach of your Oakland Athletics. And, yeah, that's exactly what, you know, talking about uh, making your guys better.
It's and it's something that you know we've been talking about here. It's easy to do stuff when you win. You think it's easy? You know, it's easy. It's easy to do pregame shows and postgame shows and talk shows, and it's easy to be a coach and when everything. I mean, when everybody rolling the balls out and everybody is just firing on all cylinders, everything's easy. Play by play is easy. Hitting when all your hitters hit, hitting coach is easy. What, what what you need to see is what happens when you're not playing well. Yeah, when things I, aren't going good. And you asked me to do this, and I did it. I went back and looked at how the A's rotation has done over the last 20 games, and they have a, five, a 373 ERA over the last 20. Bullpen is at 397, but if you take out the really, the really I would say, inning and two-thirds poor outings of the six turn runs from uh, Rios, it's at 338. Axel Rios. Yeah, Axel Rios. So three thirty-eight without those that inning and two thirds, he's had relied six earned runs. The and the Safiore over that span, the last nineteen games is three eighty-nine. So they're pitching. The pitching's been a lot better for the A's the last nineteen games. But getting back to whatever the numbers are, and those numbers are great. But whatever they are, it's like are are your that that's kind of been my you know what do we need to see? Because folks, by the way, the second half starts right now. I know the A's are a little ahead of everybody in games played. But I know it's hard to believe, but the second half really starts now. There's 81 games left. It's not the all-star break. It starts today. The halfway point was beating the Yankees last night. And now you got 81 games. And we got Lucas on the line here as Lucas. Great to have you back on A's cast live. I wish I could be with you there. Uh, but I got to be in San Francisco in the uh, NBC studios for a little TV today. Not but a problem. We were, just, we were just talking about you with Scott Emerson. And, you know, I, I find it interesting because we, we mentioned Shohei Otani, mentioned Trevor Hoffman. You know, the fact that you hit at such a high level at AAA, now that you're pitching, how much does learning to pitch now at this level, but also you hit at a high level, does that help you kind of – you know what the hitters are thinking because that was you not that long ago. Yeah, How exactly. much did that play as a strength for you? Uh, you know, it's funny that I was probably about two and a half minutes ago, I was talking with uh, Carlos Perez just exactly about that, um, kind of realizing that hitting is such a difficult thing to do. And um, me just being in AAA and, and, you know, hitting in AAA, I found out real quick how – how difficult it is to, you know, kind of work at bats and, and be successful. So I, you know, I kind of take that approach into your, uh, onto the mound and kind of realize, you know, hey, I, I, I have good enough stuff to obviously, you know, pitch in the big leagues. But I also realize and I understand how hard hitting really is, especially, you know, going through your slumps and your, and your you know, difficult times. So I think taking that approach onto the mound and, and kind of using it to my advantages has uh, really helped me be successful. You know, because years ago, and, and, I, and I agreed with it, you know, you look fastball and adjust, but velocity has jumped so high today. If you're not looking for 100 miles an hour, there's no way you're going to get I me. Mean, if you're actually guessing on, on an off-speed pitch and 100 comes at you, the, the human brain can't tell your hands and your body to act fast enough. I mean, how much did you guess as a hitter back in the day? And how <laughs> much... And Quite how a lot. Much, are you on the mound now going, 
I can tell these guys are guests. Yeah, hundred percent. And and especially nowadays, you know, I don't think there's many fastballs that are that are quote unquote straight. I think everything has you know some sort of play involved. And even if you know if it's not a carry fastball, it's a it's a absolute bowling ball that you're gonna have to try and hit. Um, so I think uh, you know uh, if you're going up there guessing, it, you're you're making yourself a little bit you know you're giving yourself a, a harder opportunity to be successful. I think you. You definitely have a have have to have a disciplined approach at the plate and and kind of you know pick your poison um, depending on the count depending on the situation everything you know kind of plays a role in that and um, you know like I said if you're going up there trying to guess or trying to just react to you know trying to catch up to a fastball and and, and reacting to the off speed stuff um, which is what I tried doing and I didn't have a lot of success at it I mean it, it I'm telling you right now that it's uh, harder than it seems you had really good success. Come on, you, yeah. you, 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 I saw your triple A numbers. Decent. They weren't that bad, but, yeah. but yeah, that just shows you how good you have to be to get to this level. Your changeup to me is such a weapon, and I've noticed your ability to throw it for strikes whenever you want, and you can take it out of the strike zone. You're throwing 92, 91 with it. You can take it out of the strike zone for a strikeout pitch, but you can throw it for strikes. When did you? Because it's such a feel pitch. Because you're throwing it with the same arm speed as a fastball. But for, like, me, I had the circle change. Everybody has different variations of it. When did you start to have that confidence with this pitch that you could throw it at any time? Yeah, I, I think I've always had confidence uh, with the changeup. I don't know where, where I learned it. I don't know when I learned it. But I've always it always felt like a comfortable pitch for me to throw. Um, I also, you know, I, I, I throw hard. And, and for, for that to be my, my go-to secondary pitch um, has played – I think the biggest biggest role in my success, just because I'm I'm not doing anything different. I'm just holding the baseball a little different, but throwing it the same way, um, and it's um, it's been working. So I, I mean, I'd, I've tweaked it here and there, trying to maybe get some, uh, you know, a little bit of different spin out right right out of the hand, so that it can, um, you know, spin a little bit more efficiently uh, going towards home. But for the most part, it's just uh, it's always been a comfort pitch for me, and, and being able to locate it where I want to is. Uh, has definitely helped. Is it ever a point where you don't want to show it too? It's so good, but is there ever a point where you don't want to show it too much? Yeah, yeah, no, you you definitely want to, uh, you know, have a have an even mix between, you know, I have, I have two different fastballs, um, a changeup, and a slider. So, um, you know, just working with the staff here, I've been trying to, you know, kind of just sequence my pitches evenly and and kind of distribute the the different looks that the hitter is going to see so that he. You know that I'm I'm keeping them on his toes, keeping them guessing, right? Which is you know what we want. Yeah. What what we want as as pitchers, we want to um, make the make the hitters uncomfortable and and kind of put them in a in a tough spot to uh, have success. We've done already. You're an unbelievable story. You're a Bay Area kid. We've done that before, but now just from a baseball standpoint of who you are as a professional, as a baseball player, where you are now. What has really changed for you? Uh, I mean, honestly, not much. I, I just I try and go out there every day and just, you know, try and be the best teammate I can be and, and, you know, help support my teammates and go out and have fun. I mean, I think I think in the process, in the daily life of, of you know, being a baseball player, I think we, we might take for granted that, you know, we're sharing the same field that Mark McGuire played on, like that Eric Chavez played on that. You know, we're playing the Yankees right now. We have one of, you know, Hall of Fame closer in, in Mariano Rivera. Like, guys that, you know, you watched growing up, you now get to share the field with and, and 
I think that's the most special thing about this game, and, and it's something that I that I take very, very uh, appreciatively, for sure. I think about the bullpen, and I think about the confidence. We're watching you guys on the mound get more confident. The number says it. Do you, do you guys, is there a sense of confidence that the bullpen is getting better? Tell us how you guys are feeling down there in the pen. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of it is coming with, uh, you know, just getting to know each other and, and you know, kind of like gaining that camaraderie and, and that, and uh, you know, sharing that success. It's not just, you know, about, you know, one guy doing well. We want every single person to do well because it's like, a, you know, it's, it, it's a – it's a team, you know what I mean? It's You can't win by yourself. Um, you know, I think we have to do a lot of things right consecutively as a team in order to, you know, have success. And, and we've been doing a great job of that um, in the last couple of weeks, and, and we're excited to keep moving forward with it. Like, we're all starting to gel together very well. So it's, uh, it's a fun – it's a really fun team. It's a young team. It's, it's uh, you know, like the shirt I'm wearing, we're kind of viewed as the underdogs. Um, yeah. And uh, – <laughs> And, you know, we're just going out there working hard and having fun. So that's all it's about. Who would you say is the leader down there? Uh, I, you know, there's there's a couple of them for sure. I mean, uh, Sammy Mole and, and Trevor May have definitely, uh, you know, um, had have their their success in the past, and, and they're having success as of lately. And, and uh, you know, I think their number one priority is to, is to help us understand the way that the bullpen works, that the way that, you know, a game might play out kind of, figuring out when to warm up, when to kind of um, like get yourself mentally ready to go out there and make sure that you're physically ready once your name is called. So they've been doing a really good job, and, and you know, a lot of the other guys like Austin Pruitt and, and Fuji, um, you know, just really holding down, you know, that uh, that loose that loose vibe that, that you know, you want um, in a team and, and especially in the bullpen. Um, but yeah, no, it's a it's a really good group down there, and and me personally, I'm I'm having the time of my life with them, and and uh, yeah, they're all they're all awesome. Yeah, you're living a dream. It doesn't get any better than this. Are you available for tonight? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I, I felt good during catch play. It's just uh, you know, like I said, it de- depends on the uh, the the get the game's gonna dictate you know who who goes where and and you know who plays the matchup. So you know, you want to be. I think my the best ability that you can have in this game is availability and, you know, doing all the right things on the field and off the field to make sure you're recovering well and, and taking care of your body um, plays a big role in that. And, you know, that's something I take very seriously. So, um, yeah, like I said, uh, if, if I'm available, you know, I'm, I'm good to go, then, you know, I'm, I'm ready for the call whenever that is. Well, it's been fun to watch, and you're doing an outstanding job. Thank you so much for taking the time before the game. We appreciate it, and uh, we will talk soon. But keep putting up those zeros, my man. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Lucas Ersig, reliever for your Oakland Athletics, and doing an outstanding job. And can't say enough about what what, what he brings to everybody. It's, It's an unbelievable story. It's a transformation on and off the field, what he did off the field to turn his life around has changed his life off the field, but it then changed his life on the field. And he's a great story to a lot of people. He's a great story just from a baseball standpoint for kids that you understand that, you know, you have a dream. And if you mention Sean Doolittle, if you mention Trevor Hoffman, you mention these guys that 
You know, at one point, you thought you were going to be something. That didn't work out. So what the hell? Make the change. And it turns into a different part of the career. That's why it's like you look at what Shohei Otani's doing now. Look how many players who are really good at one thing and then realize, you know what, going to make a change, and they it turned into a multi-million dollar career. I mean, Sean Doolittle was done. His career was over. Hey, let me pitch. I used to throw hard. Well, he does have a gift. Through 97, 98 miles an hour as a left-hander. Look at Lucas. Lucas at one point at 15 bombs in AAA, but he just didn't have enough to get to the big league. So now he's developing a career as a pitcher. Trevor Hoffman ended up being a shortstop that, man, I don't think it's going to work out. Next, you know, he's a Hall of Fame closer. So it's like, never give up, kids. You have this dream. Lucas Lucas Ersig's teaching this. And then the, from the standpoint of sobriety to where he realized he needed to change his life. He needed to get control of his life. And he's talked to us about how that changed his life, not only from a standpoint of baseball, but more importantly, on a personal level. And how his family life got better. And the better family life through sobriety led to a better professional career. And it's led him to where he is now. So you look at someone like Lucas Ersig, and it's like, why why do you want to highlight a guy like that? Because he evokes change. He shows you change can be made. Change can be made off the field. Change can be made on the field. And it's absolutely beautiful. And every single time he goes out and he's successful, it shows everybody you can make a change. You know, we talk about, you know, we talk all the time about leadership and how leaders, you know, they do it by leaders coming out and nothing, it doesn't always have to be vocal. You can lead by example. A guy like Lucas Ersig, you know, the better he gets, the more people will talk about his story. The better he gets, the more he'll influence people. And that's where you can become really, really powerful in your career. Sean Doolittle did that. You know, Tony Kemp has done that. And there's a lot of players that have done that. By the way, getting back to the point uh, before Emo was, was uh, before Emo showed up, uh, getting back to Lawrence Butler and Cody, you're going to be going to the Futures game and Tyler Soderstrom. That's correct. Uh, I want to hear from Mark Kotze talking about these two players. Let's talk about Tyler Soderstrom first, what it means for him to go to the Futures game. Well, by the way, the, the cuts are both together, so um, it's going to All be right. him and Butler. Okay. You know, I think for Tyler, I mean, this this uh, he's 21 years old. Um, you know, at AAA, he's had success. Um, you know, obviously, there's areas of his game that, that need, you know, are going to improve. Not need improve, but are going to improve. Uh, plate discipline, you know, in-zone decision-making. But one of the things that I like about the fact that he's swinging outside the zone is he wants to hit. He's aggressive, and that that's a good quality in, in a young hitter. It takes time. Uh, it's going to take time for him um, to, to not expand, to not chase, to not have that strikeout. Um, but he, he's got intent to do damage, so I uh, really like that. Um, you know, the catching side of it, he's – He's improved every year, um, but as we see with Shea, like game calling is important, and the development of, of how to handle the pitching staff is important. So, um, you know, this is Tyler's first full season in AAA. Um, you know, so <clears throat> I think he's doing a good job. Uh, for for Lawrence Butler, 22 years old, um, having a great season in AA. 
the things that we asked him to improve on, cutting his strikeouts down, hitting the ball the opposite field. Um, he's done, and so he's making a lot of progress. And uh, you know, it's, it, those are great signs for for two young players in our organization to be part of the future's game and um, guys that you know we have big expectations for. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny when you listen to managers and GMs and people talk and you hear that kind of stuff. And, you know, when you're talking about the young players and praising them, but then at the same time, it's, you know, the young, and you go, wait a minute, where's the stuff you were talking about with Tyler as a 21-year-old? Where do you find that on your, your own team? You're writing this lineup out tonight. Where are you finding this on your own team? Is last 34 games for Brent Rooker, I don't even think I'm counting last night's 0 for. He was 0 for, I, 0 for 3. He's going my, in. I would say I have it if you need it. Is it the last? What do you have, last 35 games? Yeah, so he's 19 for 117, so that's a 162 average, two homers. 9 RBI, 47 Ks. If you go over his last eight games, one wait, for – 47 Ks. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. He right. came, oh, he didn't pay last night, yeah. Yeah, he went over three, yeah. Um, but last eight games, one for 27 with 14 Ks. That's a that's a .037 batting average or .37 batting average. 127 last eight games? Correct. That's a .037? Correct, yes. Last 35 games, he's hitting 162? Yes. And you're batting him third tonight? I, th I thought the same thing. <laughs> and you're, and you're going to tell me about plate discipline with with Tyler Soderstrom? And, ah, he's a triple A. I mean, I get it. It's part of the problem with our game is that we do this stuff with players, and it's acceptable. Like, we sit here and we go, ah, you know, hey, these guys – you gotta learn the minor leagues. You gotta have uh, you gotta have 500 at bats, and you gotta have 1500 innings. And blah 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 blah. Speaking blah blah blah. Where 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 do do you, do, do you have Moneyball? Uh, hold on, it's it's hard to go back and forth. I don't do it. Don't worry, it's not worth it. Blah. I just it's you're like just talking. You're just talking, and it's like. You know, you fill out a lineup with a bunch of guys hitting under 250, and you talk about the wonder kid at 21 years old and worried about expanding the zone when the guy hitting third is hitting .037 the last eight games. He's hitting 162 the last 35 games. He, he essentially had, he was a monster for a month, and since then he's been awful. And at some point, he's going to get DFA. But you're going to talk about a guy at 21 years old who is the next future being, oh, no, 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 he's been expanding a little bit. He's got, we're worried about if he's ready or not. What? Yeah. So I I, 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 I get it. I get it. It's the game that's played. at the, This is the only place. Major League Baseball is the only place we find a way to not bring young players up to help you win at the top level because they don't have minor leagues in the NFL. They really don't. I Don't give me this crap about the G League or whatever the hell it's called. They don't have minor leagues in the NBA. You, you, you get drafted, you come to play. 
I mean, that's just how it works. College football is the minor league. You, you don't get drafted by an NFL team and they go, eh, I don't know if he's expanding the zone or not. It's like, what? Get your butt out there on kickoff. We've got to win on Sundays. I mean, we find every single way because of money to try and figure out how not to have guys where they should be. We draft guys. Guys should be ready. Takes forever. It's just, and then they'll give you every excuse why the guy's not ready. I mean, we're, we're, we're now in an era of we don't want to pay players as they get older. We don't want to play players and start their clocks early. It's like, well, when do we want to play these guys? When is the window? Can someone give us the window? Can so can we know what the parameters of the business are? Yeah, and, and the closest sport to base to baseball will be hockey because they have the minor leagues and all the guys who go one one no, like guys play. Well, that's, what that's what I'm saying. Like the guy, the draft's going on right now, and the Sharks just drafted Will Smith, a young a young a young player. Yes, Will Smith is. Is he going to stay in the minor leagues for five years? Not five years, but probably a couple. But the no. guy, that, the guy that went number one, Connor Bedard, is going to be playing on on the Chicago Blackhawks when the season starts. When, How old is he? Eighteen. Uh, yeah, and and you want to talk about a tough game? That's where people actually hit each other. Yeah. Grown men yeah. actually slamming each other and fighting with their bare fists. They'll play an eighteen-year-old, but we'll act like the twenty-one-year-old is. Oh my God, he's so young. I mean, we act like Este Uriuriz at twenty-four years old, who's played a bazillion games as a professional. Oh, he's so young. And then all of a sudden, then they're not young at like 26, but then they're old at 31. So it's like, what what is the time frame for these guys? What's our time frame? They're old quick. They're too young. It's like, when do you want to play people? Does that mean mean Mike Trout's uh, entering the uh, twilight of his career? Because he's, what, 30, 31? I him a wheelchair. (laughs) He's going to do the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar retirement plan because – uh, Mike Trout's entering his third. I mean, it's real. It's it's literally laughable that we're looking at. I mean, I mean, how old's Geloff? Geloff's been out of college now for a few years. Yeah, I think he's twenty three, maybe if not, he's twenty four. Like, when do you want him to play? Yeah, and he's actually not doing. Like, he's actually having a good year. Wanting to play. I mean, this is not a situation where you've got a team with a bunch of stacked guys that have long term contracts. You're a ball club that. Let's face it, is 21 and 60. Oh, this is an interesting note, by the way. I brought this up last night live on the air doing doing TV. We're live now, but we're live on NBC. And it, like, shocked Dave Stewart. Like, I've never shocked Dave Stewart. I've now done I've done quite a few shows with Dave Stewart now. And I brought up, hey, Stu, this is game 81. This is the halfway point. He went, really? Live on air. I don't know if you watch the pregame. He was shocked by it. I wonder how many people realize today is the start of the second half. Yeah, it's uh, until you mentioned that last night, I wasn't thinking about it. So you mentioned it on post game is when I first it crossed my mind. Yeah, tomorrow's game 82. We're, we're halfway through the season, and we're going to try to evaluate who's the future of this organization going forward after starting today. I mean, we're doing it all year, but it's even more important now with the second half of the season starting. I know everyone goes, well, it's the all-star break. That's when it's the second half starts. No, no, 81 games is halfway through the season. Not even close, right? Look how many games we're going to be into the season by the time we hit the all-star break. We were like 90-plus, 90, I mean, 90 right? And really, where the A's are right now as an organization, having the draft where it is now, I get it. Um, I'm starting to wonder, by the way. I saw some stuff. I, I, I didn't get to talk to you about this, but I saw some stuff today on MLB Network. 
I'm starting to wonder if our game's like in a uh, midlife crisis. How so? I, I just they we don't know how to promote ourselves. We don't know what no. to do. We're, we're 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 like doing things that I like. I brought my kids into it. I showed them something today that happened on MLB Network, and they went, "Dad, no one talks like that." I'm like, "Well, if I don't like it and my kids don't like it, who are you doing this for?" Who are this new act and how you're trying to promote our game? It's like, do you know your audience? Like, so many different people want to do stuff that's not for what people who actually partake in professional sports. That's why you know why you know who's brilliant. The NFL will let marketing people do some stuff off to the side. But the NFL knows one thing. They sell violence. Yeah. <laughs> They sell violence. They sell hard hits, touchdowns, athleticism. They sell football. This is what we do. It is football. We're not going to joke with you. We're not going to. We're not going to create our own network called the NFL Network and not act like that's not the case. No, that's what we sell. We sell football, and we're going to sell it 365, 24/7. I MLB Network's now trying to sell stuff that I just go, who, who do you think your audience is? And if there's this idea that, well, maybe they're trying to get other people. Okay, that's why I brought my own daughters in. Fashionistas. <laughs> teenagers who are about to be adults. Who know everything that's going on on TikTok and Instagram and everything. And when they watch and go, yeah, Dad, no one talks like that. That's ridiculous. It's like, I, I don't know where. I don't know who's making decisions of what our game is trying to be. But they're trying to talk to It's like me talking about a tent. This is a great example. It's like me talking attendance. Why do I never talk attendance? Because the people who attend games all these years, they watch and listen to the show. The people who don't, they don't watch or listen to the show. So why would I talk to them? That's not how you get new people. That's how you just piss off the people that you got. That's bad strategy. Yeah, I agree so with you like, on that. We, we, we're, we're, we're trying to talk to people who are not fans and you're doing things that are not going to bring new people in anyway. You you don't have that strategy down. That's what I'm wondering. Like, we in a midlife crisis. And it's also like with the players, it's like, what do you, like, getting back to the point, like, you've got young players. Chris Bryant was the great example. Chris Bryant can help you win right now. You say it's all about winning games, but yet you're not going to bring a player up to a certain date, and then you're going to bring him up. Then you're going to make him mad. Then he's going to fight you on it. And then years later, you're going to have to trade him because he's like, I'm not re-signing with you guys because you guys are, you did me wrong. I mean, it's just, I don't, the strategy of not bringing guys up and we're protecting guys. I don't even know for us as an organization why we would even do that at this point. But it's like, I, why are we not seeing these guys? Why The Futures game. How many guys in the Futures game are you going to watch in Seattle where you go, why, did he, why is he not in the big leagues? A lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys in it. Like a good. Okay, I know people don't hear this, but a good example is Kyle Harrison from the San Francisco Giants. He might be the best young left-handed prospect in the game, and he's still pitching in Triple A Sacramento when he could be helped. The Giants are bullpenning games, and yet they have this kid in the minor leagues who could be the next future ace for them. Uh, there's a lot of guys in it, and, and you know, it, a good example is last year. Do you remember who won the Futures Game MVP? I'll give you a clue. He's playing on the field today. That'd be Shay Langoliers was the MVP last year, and when did he get caught up? In August of last year. Uh, I mean, I, I, just going over the Giants' notes for today, Patrick Bailey has hit safely in the last eight games. He's hitting 345 with a dinger and six RBIs. 
Uh, since being promoted in May, he's hitting 320 with 23 RBIs in 30 games. I don't know. It seems to be working for the Giants. Yeah. I mean, Giant, I have other Giants bullpen. This was something that, and Giants are playing the Jays as we speak, and this will kind of tie into the whole AL East conversation as Yankees and the Blue Jays. Just Blue Jays, they've lost nine of their last sixteen. They've scored just twenty-seven runs in their last nine losses. But getting back to the Giants bullpen, this is spectacular. I mean. Giants, Giants bullpen, they're 19-3 and three with a 2.06 ERA in the last 39 games. I mean, that's like, that's wow. And by the way, they've won their last 10 road games. Do you know the last time they won 11 straight road games? Guess who was playing? Uh, it was like 1957 or something, right? Some, Not it, even close. Uh, I thought it was in the 50s. Isn't it, was it in the 50s? No. Oh, wow. I thought it was a 50. Not even close. So it's been a long time then. Uh, they probably weren't even in San Francisco yet, were they? No. So the New no. York – so they're talking about the New York baseball giants. Uh, I'm not talking about the New York football giants. <laughs> I'm talking to Chris Berman. 1933. Talking, 1923 was the last time. 1923, the last time the New York giants, 100 years ago – they're trying to do – I don't even know what, what's the score right. They don't have it up here. I don't have to – uh, scratch that. Jays are up 5 nothing right now in the Giants in the third inning. That's still early. Still early. But, I mean, Giants are calling up young guys. Yeah, another guy who forgot is Luis Matos. He's up here too. Giants are calling up young – I'm looking at all – I mean, you, you want to get into my Marlins? I got a whole thing on my Marlins today. The Marlins have smoking the uh, Red Sox last night. And Marlins are hot. Uh, Ryan Rucco will talk about this coming up because we taped the terrific broadcaster for the Yes Network and the Yankees. Uh, he's going to tell you what I said last year, last June. If you remember and you had it, I said, mark the tape where I came on and I was bold. The bold and the beautiful. Remember that soap opera? Yes. Right back when? I came on and said this yet the, the Yankees were they were on pace to win 119 games. The Yankees had hit the most home runs. I got the notes by the way. I kept the notes from last year. We can get into that. You tell me when I have time. Do we have time? Uh, you have time until 5:15 when David Force is here. Okay, so last June at this time, who who were the A's playing June 28th last year? That'd be the New York Yankees. We were playing the Yankees at this time last year. I kept the notes from the 29th would be the last game of the series, just like the last game of the series is tomorrow. You want to talk about a difference of who the New York Yankees, by the way, this will show up tonight on NBC sports, California on a's pregame live. Uh, I, I sent this to the producers. They've already made a graphic, the game notes from June 29th. Now, I just want to tell you, right now, the Yankees, where we are right now in 2023, the Yankees are 9-12 and 12 in June. They rank last. This is dead last. There's 30 teams. They're last in average runs and hits this month and on base percentage. Dead last. Yankees, one year ago today. This is for June 28th. Uh, this, excuse me, June 29th. These are some of the notes. The Yankees led Major League Baseball with 55 home runs in June, four more than the A's at that time. 
They need one more home run to tie the MLB June record set in 2016 and 2019 by the Orioles and then the Braves. The Yankees, they had won 18 of their last 20 games at home, outscoring their opponents 108-43. to The Yankees were on pace. The last time the A's saw them, last time, last year at this exact same time, the Yankees were on pace to win 119 games. You want to talk about how much they fell off the cliff after they saw the A's in June last year and to where they are today. It is amazing. Oh, I can give you another one here. This was this was one that I thought really stood out as you go, man, what's up with DJ LeMayhew? At this time last year, DJ LeMayhew had reached base in 17 of 34 plate appearances over his last eight games. I mean, everybody was hitting. Now, I'm looking at the game notes now. Anthony Rizzo is hitting 216 his last 27 games. He hasn't hit a home run in forever. 13 different Yankees have combined for 42 home runs since his last home run. Giancarlo Stanton is hitting 113, 113 in his last 18 games since coming off the IL. It's just like all their guys stink. This is really a Yankees team that if it wasn't for their bullpen and their pitching, and you know what? I'm going to love every minute of it. I can't stand the Yankees. I love seeing them squander. Yeah, they're still in the playoff hunt right now, but the Rays are really running away with this thing. The Orioles are better than they are. Uh, right now, it's six to six to four, Cincinnati on top of the Orioles and the top of the second inning. But I'm just going to I'm gonna take it in. I'm going to take in this just Yankee, uh, what, what their offense and how bad they are. They've been a one-dimensional team, and it is their one dimension isn't there anymore. And they don't have much. They, they, you know, with, with, without the the big man in the lineup with the toe, and Aaron Judge is not going to be here anytime soon. They, they 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 don't really have a puncher's chance against anybody. Yeah, and, and I love the note about Domingo Herman. You know, last game he allowed ten runs, eight of them were earned, and he allowed four home runs and three and two thirds. This stat was pretty good. He looks to become the fifth pitcher in New York Yankees history to allow seven-plus runs in three consecutive outings. Joining CC Sabathia, I'll say it, future Hall of Famer, uh, Chin Ming Wong, uh, Red Ruffing, and Russ Ford are the other guys who have done that in three straight outings, seven runs or more. So that's what Dem Domingo Herman is looking to avoid tonight against the A's. Hey, hey, maybe the owner should do a press conference. <laughs> Maybe the owner should do a press conference. Oh, the owner's going to do a press conference. Oh, got to hear from the owner. I can't wait to hear from the $16 billion hedge fund guy because, boy, he's going to break it down. Coming up next, the best part of the press conference. Because if every, everybody is always it's, – it's been interesting. I, I sit back just from a standpoint of being in professional sports for a long time and traveling to different cities and being around it you know there's one thing when you're just so ultra focused on your area and and or in your career from a media standpoint you've really only covered one area but when you've been in more of a national setting and you see it i i have kind of been like you know you guys, everybody wants to hear from owners, and you're like, I don't know if you want to hear from owners. Well, the Mets got to hear from their guy today. 
Mets, Mets fans satisfied, Mets, Mets fans angry, or Mets fans like, I don't know what I got out of that. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend, and it is summertime. You want to look your best, and I can't tell you how excited I am. Commander Cody, we've got our new shipment from Link Soul, all the summer gear. So whether you're playing golf or you're going out for dinner, you're hanging out with your buddies, or you're going to the beach, go see our friends at LinkSoul.com. And right now they have an offer where you can get 20% off. Go to LinkSoul.com. Remember in the big leagues, look good, play good. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. And joining us here on A's Cast Live is the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Force. David, how are you? I'm good, Tony. How you doing? Well, you know, sometimes when the star player goes down, someone else has to step up and keep the ball rolling. That's what I'm doing. Brody Brazil's out right now. It feels a little, a little bit up. like feels a little bit like your big league and us in the studio, but you know, call it whatever you want. <laughs> now, yeah, the bottom line is somebody's got to keep it going, right? Fair enough. Uh, how happy are you for your two guys getting in the futures game? I know we talked about last year with Shane Langoliers, but now with Sodi and Lawrence Butler. Yeah. How great yeah. is that for 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 you for the front office to have guys like that in a game like this? It's such a, it's such a great experience for those guys, and and Shay is a great example of someone who used it as kind of a launching point to, to get here, I think just a few weeks after that. So, um, yeah, we've had a lot of guys playing that game uh, in past years, and it's, it's worked out great to be there, be around all those other great players, just sort of experience uh, the weekend in Seattle and, and be part of it. I, I'm really excited for both Tyler and Lawrence. Yeah, I think about that. You get to be in the big league ballpark. You kind of get to really size up yourself against the other top prospects yeah. in the game. I mean, that, that's also very interesting. It is. And, and if you know Tyler and Lawrence, you know neither one of them lack for confidence. So I think they're going to feel like they fit in perfectly in that dugout. They're going to enjoy being there. I know we've always talked about the all-star break and it's the break, but really this is the start of the second half tonight. Do yeah. you view it that way? That we we're, we're Last night after that win against the Yankees, I'm sure you're real happy about that. That was 81 games. Today is the start of the second half. Yeah, I think we use it a little bit as a, as a measuring point. I mean, obviously so much of what we do is – based on numbers and what you're you know what you're trending towards or what you're projecting to and and you look at the first half and say okay you know some things you want to continue some things we want to put behind us and I know Mark and the staff will use it with with the guys on the field and say hey you know whether you want to start clean or you want to keep doing something you've been doing it is it is kind of a nice marker to know like we've got 81 behind us and you know let's see how we do in the next 81. I think about Scott Emerson, who joined us earlier today, and, and we know how much this means to him, and this has been really tough on him, 
and he's grinded through it. And that's why I wanted to highlight him, not only on A's Cast Live, on A's Cast, even on NBC. I've tried to get it on here on the, on the TV shows, just trying to, because it's easy to coach when everything's going good. It's not easy when things aren't. And we're seeing that we're seeing the numbers get so much better. How proud are you of the job Scott Emerson has done with this pitching staff? And talk about the growth you've seen in them. Look, it, it's impossible not to see the progress that our, our pitching staff has made from you know from April or early May, whatever marker you want to use. And I mean, the the thing we know about Emo, and, and he's been in the organization so long. You talk about a guy who who worked his way up. He, he coached at every level from, you know, rookie ball, instructional league all the way up. And, uh, you know, I think he and Bushy ended up at a lot of spots together. But, but you know, Emo knows what it takes. He knows that you don't just go out there and you, you roll the balls out in the bullpen. That There is a, a routine to the day. There's a grind and, and a work ethic that it takes to make progress. And, you know, the one thing we never have to worry about is that, is that Emo, and this applies to a lot of the guys in that coaching room, Emo's going to put in the work and he's going to study and he's going to take these things personally and and you know maybe probably more so than he should because he's not the one out there pitching he he takes it personally when we don't perform and it, it it's hard on him i know he's lost some some nights of sleep but uh yeah. it's really nice that some of the work is paying off i mean that I, I, right there it's like you can only do so much you don't pitch you don't hit I and mean, tommy ever same thing i mean there's only so much i mean that that's gonna be the toughest thing is you're in that dugout and you're living and dying with every pitch and every at bat yeah i mean i think i think the hardest thing when you know when you're not one of those 26 guys and whether you're the manager you're you're the coach your front office you're a scout whatever and you're watching it's it's just sort of the lack of control and you you it's something you have to learn as a coach and understand like you can do everything right on your end and you can give everybody the right information and you can work all day and all night and and fix someone as much as you possibly think and then they go out and it doesn't sort of the result doesn't happen on the field you you can't necessarily feel responsible for that and it's i think it's something that coming through the minor leagues as a coach you learn and it, it serves you well once you get here and for you because you know at the <laughs> top of the pyramid there's you right and you gotta you can't freak out because if you freak out then everybody's freaking out you you gotta be that you gotta be the papa bear and you gotta be the guy that's like hey don't worry about it we're gonna get through this i mean what's that like for you to where you've got to make sure you manage down that keep working hard everything's gonna be okay yeah it's it's hard it's one of the harder parts of the job is again going back to the idea of not having control over what goes on and, and being okay with it and like you said making sure everyone around you is okay with it so um i don't know if you if you've been around but our uh, our mental skills coach dr ben strack is in town and uh, i'm hoping everybody takes advantage of his presence here for a few days because um because it's it's such a huge part of our day to day is is the the emotional you know emotional control mental skills all this stuff that you don't see behind the scenes but it 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 affects everybody from from the field on up did you know he was my college teammate at San Jose State? We've talked about it, yes. We, yeah. when, when he and I first were introduced uh, in the offseason, we talked about you. So, yes, I did know that. Did you think, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I saw his CV, and it looked pretty impressive. So I wasn't, wor uh, I wasn't worried about it. <laughs> uh, I've been dealing with Townsend all these years, another San Jose <laughs> State guy. No, but, I mean, that is, you know, that is such the thing. You know, we were talking about that with, with, with uh, Emo earlier is that, 
everybody's got these physical skills, which you try and tell the fans out there what makes guys special here. It's it, it's it's the mental part of the game, yeah. which yeah. that is the part that really separates everybody. Well, well, yeah. I mean, just look at last night's game. You've got, you know, May and Mole in the eighth and ninth inning, both in, you know, high pressure situations with, you know, with what was a loud crowd on both sides. There were a lot of Yankees fans here, and you know both guys have the ability. You just – you know, over the course of their careers, they've learned how to tune out, you know, tune out the moment a little bit and how to slow things down. And that that's the difference between getting an out and not. Yeah, I think about the bullpen, too, becoming a strength. I'm not going to say that, you know, you got roles when you're 21 and 60, but are you starting to really see like, OK, now we got a semblance when, when we've got a game that we think we can win. We've, we've kind of got a recipe of how to get this and, and get it to the final 27th out. Yeah, I think we've settled in a little bit. I'll give Mark and, and Emo and Mike McCarthy a lot of credit. We've we've thrown a lot of different names at them and you know we've moved in you know sammy long and lucas ursag and richard lovely those guys weren't even in the organization when we broke camp and those guys have come in and played important roles and we've moved guys up and down obviously you know now brought in yaxel rios we moved fuji from those rotation to the bullpen waldachuk's kind of got this you know hybrid role now and they've done a great job of exactly what you said sort of finding roles and when we do have a chance to win a game making sure the guys are lined up and you know to Bring in Lucas last night in the sixth inning, get those two outs, send him back out, and then have it lined up where, you know, May's the guy who's pitched in the ninth inning a lot, but the matchup was better in the eighth inning, and Kotz has done a really good job with that. Did you expect Ursig to be this good? <laughs> um, you know, you just never know. I mean, we knew he had a great arm. We've seen him since he converted to a pitcher. We've seen him a lot. Our scouts have seen him. You sort of follow him, and... You know, the position we were in luckily allowed us to take a chance on a guy like that that the Brewers didn't have a spot for in the big leagues. But, man, he has been a revelation. I think about if Danny Jimenez and Zach Jackson were here. Yeah. I know that's been tough, but that's two power arms that you relied on last year that he expected the growth this year. I mean, man, how much better your bullpen if you had those two guys. Where are we with them, and do you think we'll see either of them anytime soon? I know Zach got put on the 60-day. Uh, yeah, and Danny was on the 60-day right away. I, I think we're, we're getting close to both guys. They're both close to the mound, and they're, they're making good progress. Both, just, you know, both of their injuries were things we really needed to take, take our time with. So um, I do think we're going to get them back here in the second half. I'm looking forward to it. We, you know, going back to the idea of what you can control, you know, we, we try not to play the what if game around here. We, we'd love to have those guys and we'll be thrilled when they get back. But, um, but right now we're doing a really nice job with who's here. And Drew Rusinski, the, the injuries just keep piling up, and I feel so yeah. bad for him is that here he's coming over from Korea, he's back in the United States, and it's like this just this great thing for his family and just all these it's just injury after injury after injury. I mean that that just has to be driving you nuts. Yeah, yeah, you just couldn't be unluckier than Drew has been. Starting with the hamstring strain right before we broke camp. Um, and then, you know, he had the stomach illness originally went in the IL and, and just all these things have cropped up. So you feel bad for him. He is, you know, such a good, sincere guy. He's wanted to be out there as much as possible. And, and these things just keep popping up. So uh, I know he's got a couple other doctor's appointments this week. We'll see what we can do for him. 
are your guys itching like 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 you, you're so used to the draft would have already happened by now and you're sending guys out and you're doing i mean are your guys itching getting ready because the draft's coming up soon it is we start our meetings on sunday everybody's really looking forward to it and uh, you know mlb had the combine last week in phoenix i got to go down there for about a day and a half and we had a group of about 10 of our you know cross checkers and scouts there you know both watching the workouts but also you know meeting with close to 40 players you get these one-on-one meetings really get to dig in and find out you know what makes guys tick so it's it's a really good event mlb does it gives us some insights but um but it all starts sunday when we get in that room you're so used to being late in the first round that's like yeah we, we, you know, we don't know who's that, falling that's a good problem to have is being late in the correct. first round <laughs> you don't know who's gonna fall to you but here you, I mean, you could have a certain guy fall. I mean, have you guys been mapping it out? Do you play that like we – I mean, because with the NFL yeah. and the NBA draft, you know how we do that. Uh, how, how do you – now that you're closer to the top, who knows who could fall to you? It's true. Yeah, we've done a lot of that speculating, and, and a lot of it is probably a waste of time until you really get to <laughs> July 9. But there's been some good stuff written out there. Kylie McDaniel, the ESPN, wrote a really good mock draft where he talked about some of the ways that the top of the draft can go and – um, it's interesting. Most of the mock drafts right now have this sort of group of five guys and in various orders, but talk about a group of five and then it being wide open starting where we pick at six. But, you know, once once sort of brass tacks gets involved and you talk about slots and money and egos on, on guys, it, it tends to, to move around. So I think we'll be ready for anything. How much does the combine maybe help a guy in the first round? obviously into the second round and third round where there's more money you know with the fact that you really get to talk to guys how much do you think a combine can help a young player i think those guys after the first round second third fourth round guys have a chance to really make a jump and and you know mason's kind of the poster boy for the combine he went out lit up some radar guns and really jumped up a lot of boards we were lucky to be able to grab him in the third round where we did um, but it is it can be eye-opening to watch some of these guys who are a little further off the radar take BP or throw a bullpen or you know whatever the case Mo- most of the so quote first round guys are are just there for interviews they don't do a lot of stuff on the field um, but it's a really good opportunity for some of the other guys to to improve their stock and we haven't asked you about Mason in a while how's he doing and do you think we'll see him again this year I hope so. Uh, you know, he's been slow to bounce back, and you know, we know with his history and some of you know some of his his other issues, he's um, he takes a little while to bounce back. But um, you know, we're we're still going to keep on the path with him rehabbing. We'll probably know more after the All Star break, but I'm I'm hoping we still see him. Is there a point where you're look? Because I know the great thing is now we can sit here and you can watch games in, in Vegas. Is there? kind of like itching going I'm, I'm liking my young guys i'm liking my young guys we're gonna want to see some at bats up here are you, are you starting to feel that a little bit not quite yet i mean you look at some of the guys we've brought up previous years you know as late as you know mid late august who still get a full five six weeks in the big leagues and it's a it's a good amount of time to get their feet wet let us evaluate them so i, I don't think we're quite there yet uh, that said, we've got some guys having some really good years, AAA and AA. I'm going to get a yeah. chance to see Vegas play the next couple of days. I'm going to be out there tomorrow and Friday and hopefully get to Midland right after the draft to see those guys. So we're we're getting close to the time where, uh, yeah, we're you know, as, as we always say, guys are going to start forcing our hand. Well, yeah, it's, it's nice that we can really talk like, hey, looking at Midland. 
And then now looking at Triple, you got guys who are, who are trying to force their way versus at times you're like, I don't even know what the hell we got down there. <laughs> well, hopefully that's never the case. If, <laughs> if it is, I need to, ask, you need to ask the guys in the office what's going on. But, uh, no, it's, it's been fun to watch those box scores. We watch a lot of the video every night and, you know, see the, you know, we talked about Lawrence, but also Brett Harris, Daryl Hernandez, Denzel Clark there in Midland all making a push. Logan Davidson finally made his way to AAA and is off to a good start. So there's a lot of good things going on. Well, great stuff as always. We truly appreciate the time, and uh, we can actually say it. Good luck in the second half because it starts tonight. Sure does. Thanks, thanks, Chris. The general manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Forst, and yeah, I know it's hard to believe, but it's the second half starting tonight. This is game 82. The A's are uh, are embarking on you know when we when you start. You start to see, like, things will start to change. Before you know it, we're going to be, what do we got, like 10 games or whatever before the All-Star break? We all kind of go away for a few days, and then we'll come back, and then all of a sudden, you're in August, and it's the dog days. And where will the team be? What will they be looking at? What will you do? And I think the thing that is exciting is that there are names to talk about. There are players to look at. I'm not going to go through Cody Thomas with him. We've done all that. I mean, there's a Schumann. There's a guys down there. But, yeah, i, I got to think. I, you know, at some point, you're going to go, okay, enough. And we'll see after that. Right now, they're very locked in on the draft. Obviously, the draft is a really big deal. I do think the draft, and I know David doesn't like it, so we're not going to go down that road again. And I know a lot of GMs don't like it, but we're, you know, for some reason, we think that the draft during the All-Star break is going to bring people into the, once again, that midlife crisis. All-Star break, All-Star game, star players, yes. Draft at the same time, you're already satisfying and getting the people interested who will be interested anyway. I don't know how you're bringing new fans in from that standpoint. Just don't know. Yeah, we, I was. I haven't looked at it. I was trying to. My friends were like, "We need to go somewhere to watch the draft," and I'm like, "Eh, I could just." It's terrible. Read it on Twitter. I I did want to ask Force, but I didn't get a chance. I was like, "So uh, another catcher, huh?" Because I keep saying we're going to take the catcher from Virginia. I'm praying no catcher, <laughs> no catcher. Yeah, well, the, but if he gets a catcher, we'll have him here on Ace Cast yeah, Live, yeah. and we'll talk about hey. Ky- Kylie did have uh, Kylie and his mo- Kylie McDaniel VSPN in his most recent mock draft had to take in the third baseman from TCU. So there you go. That's someone different that wasn't uh, Kyle Teal, the catcher. A what? A third baseman? Third baseman. Well, I don't know. Brett Harris is doing a nice job down in Midland. We're going to try to get Bobby Crosby on next week, too, to talk about Harris and Lawrence Butler. Yeah. And it'll be nice to Denzel catch up with him. Denzel Clark, yeah. A couple of the young pitchers that are down there. It'll be nice to catch up. We haven't seen talk to Bobby since fantasy camp, so it'll be nice to catch up with him. We haven't talked to him since spring? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's been fan- it's been since fantasy camp, if I'm not mistaken. And that was back in what January? Yeah, January, because we were in we were in spring January. training in February. It's been a long time since we caught up with him. And we always have Fran on because uh, we have to have the leader of men on. Well, it is a. It's going to be it, it, when it happens. Don't know. Can't predict it. He's not going to tell us. Uh, but when it does happen, I can't wait to. I mean, to to write. You know, as let everybody, if you're listening, you won't, if you're listening on athletics.com slash cast, you won't be able to see this. But if you're watching our program on YouTube, this is the Bible is what it looks like every single game. I did, I did blue and red ink 
and I wrote my players in black. I might have to go the same color scheme because of the win last night. Well, we got to, you know, you got to find every everything possible to keep the good vibes going, as they say. But I can't wait to write Tyler Soderstrom in my book. Uh, I think we're all excited about that. And you know what? I'm not going to freak out. Just like if I'm the Cincinnati Reds, what's happening with the Reds? It's this is a tough series for me. Reds and uh, Orioles six four. I wanted to throw this because a lot of people. We uh, oh my God! Have you, have you seen how Carlos Correa has been playing? I have not. I just know the Twins are under 500 right now. Uh, Carlos Correa has hit 184 last 12 games. <clears throat> that's great. That's just that's you want, that's, you that's want, you want to add some years to his contract? That's that's tremendous. How many guys who signed this off season, their first years of their long term deals have been horrific? Uh, I'll give you a good idea. A good example. Starting with the guy across the dugout. Oh wow. Yeah. How's Aaron Judge's first year of his deal going? I mean, when he's on the field, he plays well. But the Yankees are—they—they're terrible without him. They're thirteen well, and seventeen when, without when him. When he's what? When he's what? Wasn't he decent when he was on the field? <laughs> when, when, when he's what? When he's playing. When he's on the field. Yeah, when he's on the field. When, when are we going to see him on the field again? August what? Uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe August. Carlos Reyes' first year of his deal. How's that going? I'll give you one better. How about, how about our guy down in? Uh, I, th- I want to look up his exact number because I thought I heard it. Trey Turner. Uh, well, he, he he admitted he sucks. He sucked uh, earlier this year. First uh, year of these deals. There's for one year into these long-term deals. Xander Bogarts is slugging 455. I know he's hitting – or no, sorry. He's, Xander Bogarts slugging 391 right now, and he's hitting 255, and they gave him an 11-year deal in San Diego. Things are not great in San Diego. <laughs> I'm just – oh, my God. We can get to San Diego if you want. San Diego's – they're losing to the Pirates. They lost to the – they're losing to the Pirates again. Yeah. Bob Melvin's in trouble. That's I what, hate to say it, but Bob Melvin's in trouble. That's what they call they, a get-right series. Uh, but Ellie De La Cruz, ever since his hot start, do, do you know what he is in his last three games? Uh, since you bring up, I'm assuming probably not good. 0 for 13. Oh, okay. Well. Don't, don't put his plaque in Cooperstown yet. But I would say this. Playing. So when Tyler Soderstrom comes here, it'll be the same thing. Ellie De La Cruz can be one of the fastest ever to hit for the cycle, and it's the fastest triple, and it's blah, 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 blah. Great. Then all of a sudden, boom, he can't hit anybody. Let's see what he is today. He is, I don't even know if he's playing. I'm just looking at the box score for the first time. Like you guys are, Reds is the end here. He's one for two. Well, Oh. Has an RBI. He's got 11 RBIs already. But no matter what, when Soderstrom gets here, not going to freak out on anything positive. Well, we will freak out if it's positive. But negative, it's going to be like, I don't care. Keep throwing him out there. Uh, I had the Padres. Well, Padre, how about this? The Padres have been outscored 19 to 7 in their three-game losing streak to the Nats and the Pirates. They're being outscored tonight to zip. They've lost 6 of their last 8 games overall. And it is just bad, bad, bad. And if they lose, this is the this will tie their lowest under 500 cuz right now they're 37 and 42. This will be the lowest they've been under 500 for the second time this season. I mean, we're at the halfway point. Uh, we didn't. We, David stepped in, which was great, but we didn't get a chance to uh, talk about Steve Cohen. 
If you want to talk about landing a dud as a press conference for an owner, um, oh, no, no, owner owner comes out and didn't fire the GM, didn't fire the manager, gave him support. They'll be here till the end of the year. We're just going to see how the team plays, if they could move anybody. But the highlight of the, I think it was at 24, 27 minutes of Steve Cohen saying nothing to the media. Somewhere, I didn't get to watch. I just read some of the quotes. Um, highlight of it was after, do you know what they did right after the press conference? Yeah, I saw the tweet. Are you going to talk about how they brought out Seaver the dog? Seaver the dog, named after <laughs> Tom Seaver for the photo op with the owner. Look at our dog. We got a team dog. So uh, I want to know, I want to know when we've heard a lot, I, 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 you can be mad at your owner all you want. I'm never going to tell you not to be mad at your owner as a fan. I'm just saying when you're like, I can't believe our owner doesn't talk. You're like, trust me, this is a great example. Is Did this work out well? Did this satisfy anybody? No, he didn't say Do you, anything. <laughs> you think the $16 billion hedge fund guy is going to come? Everybody wants George Steinbrenner back in the day who comes out, I'm firing him. That that owner doesn't exist anymore. Well, you still kind of have that guy, Jerry Jones. But then, then again, Cowboy fans hate him because he's also the GM. But, I mean, what do, what do, what do you think these guys are really going to say? And I'm not trying to be callous. I'm not sticking up for anybody. I'm just saying, what do you want billionaire owners? They're billionaires from other businesses. They buy teams. This guy, Steve Cohen, remember, he's different because he's a real fan. How'd that work today? Not great. I, th I think his best quote overall, in my opinion, besides when they asked him about Scherzer and Verlander and he said he didn't want to talk about it, is uh, all is not lost yet, but it's getting late. <laughs> That mean, players got to play better. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Captain Obvious. Players got to play better. <laughs> Doesn't want to talk because Scherzer, supposedly, and I don't even know. Scherzer has come out, and he may be, and this is what I talked about with Matt Chapman that, like, not everybody totally agreed with, and they kind of went like, I can't believe you said that. But like I, I said, I said, let's be honest. There's not a whole lot like Dylan Cease is going tonight. There's not on bad teams. There's not that many. Like, who would you want off the ace? Uh, the only guy that's pitched really well lately. It, I mean, if you're looking for trade, I mean, Trevor May's been good. His last, hold, I have it. His last uh, five you're games, no selling. runs. Last Cody. five games, no Cody. runs. Cody, you're not selling. Uh, well, I mean, you asked. I was. That's the only guy I could think of. I said, who are you? I, you're not selling, Cody. I mean, you're not selling Trevor May. I just called you Cody May. Cody, you're not selling Trevor May. Maybe someone needs an arm, yeah. But we're talking about when you're going to get something, the New York Mets aren't calling a press conference saying we reacquired Trevor May. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny if they did. Shit, right? <laughs> There's not – I'm just in, – in young players – the Nationals are not giving up their young players. Royals are not giving up young players. We wouldn't give up Ruiz. We're not giving up young players. There's no, I mean, the, the White Sox got guys, and that's it. Unless teams start trading with, so basically, I'm in it, you're in it. But I got problems, and you got problems. How do we help each other out? That's why I brought up Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman could get dealt. Why would you deal Matt Chapman? Well, you're... You're tired of now seeing him hit 200 again because that's what he's been doing. And he was punching out all day yesterday, and, you know, 
you're tired. You know you're not going to sign Matt Chapman long term. You've already dealt with Boris about it. It ain't happening. So knowing I'm not going to keep him and I've got whatever the Blue Jays say their needs are, maybe they trade Matt Chapman. How about the Mets? Are the Mets technically out of it? How far are the Mets out in the wild card? Uh, let me they're not out of it. No, they're not. Right, I'll get it right here. The Mets, Mets are, are eight and a half games back. In the division? No, they're eight and a half games back in the wild card. Okay. Well, yeah, they're not out of it yet. No, no, no. Yeah. Mets are 16 back in the division. Whoa, whoa, 16 and a half. We can, go, we can go back to where the Nationals were, where they won the World Series. We can go back to the Phillies. So you're not totally out of it, right? And you've got some time over a month to make some hay. But you know what? If you're the Mets, why not say Scherzer? His contract's up after this year, or he may have, like, a player's option. If Scherzer's going to waive the no trade, he's old. Get rid of him. It's smart business. So you may trade a team that you may think that's in it, may trade somebody with another team who's in it so I can get something. Because where am I going to go with the bad teams? The bad teams? I mean, if you're talking about you're going to go sell trading for Andrew McCutcheon? I don't think they're trading him anyway. But, yeah, I mean, they're – Your fanboy. If they're going to trade Andrew McCutcheon – No, he came on said he doesn't want to be traded. Who cares? If I need to – if I'm trying to uh, – sorry. Let, let, let me let me go back to real baseball, and I won't affect your, your little team, the Pirates. All right? I'll go to another team. If they want to trade somebody that can help them and they're an older player and somebody wants, but how am I going to sell that player? How do I sell another McCutcheon somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, the thing they could do, too, is they – well, for them, they can always trade him to sign him back in the offseason. He's a free agent after the year. Padres right now, you're so bad. Why would you not throw Juan Soto out there? Yeah, that's a good one. And you know who the perfect why team not, – Why not throw out your uh, new Wonder Boy outfielder, the steroid guy, Nando? Well, Dump that contract. That's a lot of money, yeah. Someone's, someone will want to take it on. You know who's a good fit for Scherzer, in my opinion? And uh, it brings it back full circle for him. Send him to Arizona. Start his career there. He, he, that's a perfect landing spot for him. With a young team, a young staff, with him and Gallon. Zach Gallon. I think that's a pretty good. And they have a great farm system. And I don't Steve, think you have to give up. I, I, I think you really. If I'm Arizona, what's that? Hazen, Mike Hazen's. Mike Hazen, GM? yeah. Or excuse me, VP or <laughs> executive yeah. VP or whatever he is. Um, He's the I'm guy. Mike Hazen. I'll call up and I'll go. I'll give you this A ball player and I'll take the money. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you do that? Now, New York doesn't – what do they care about? Trust me, as rich as they are, get me closer under – get get me – because they have the highest payroll of all time and they stink. You don't think they want to shed some payroll? I mean, I would take on – if you can get New York to still pay some of it, yes. But, I mean, I, ideally, I would – I'd do that deal. Call me up. I'm Billy Upler. Call me up. You're Mike Hazen. I'll do the deal. Yeah, I, I mean, take sure. I think it's full money, and it, I'm not going to give you anything. By the way, I think it's a good I'm, deal for them. I'm just I'm saying. give you this lighter, this a ball highlighter. That's what you're getting for Scherzer. I'm not giving you a top prospect. I think it makes a lot of sense for Arizona. I like that deal, but see, there you go. A team that still kind of feels like they're in it and a team that truly is in it. That's where you're going to get players. I don't think you're getting like this whole thing. Like I read these notes every day and it's like, well, they're going to need and they're going to. They're talking about the Reds and the uh, the Reds and the Orioles. They both need starting pitching. Well, 
There's no pitching depot to go to. Forget Home Depot. I need pitching depot. Where am I going to go? Pitching depot to get pitching. Yeah, and, and the the other the, the one guy too that's going to be very fascinating, and we already know this. This is Captain Obvious, but if for some reason the Angels don't are not they don't feel like they're not going to be able to make the postseason, they're going to be out of it by the trade deadline. Why would you not trade Otani? I know they keep saying we're not trading him. Well, why would you not? God, the numbers the numbers on Otani have gotten to a point to where they're they're mythical. I mean, I saw the, the stat I saw last night, what, 10 strikeouts and home run, first AL player to do that since CC Sabathia is what someone put out there on social media. Okay, that's not mythical. <laughs> I'm going to give you mythical. He homered twice while striking out 10 and six and a third. He has 10 hits, including four home runs in the last 22 at-bats, batting 455. Dating back to May 30th, 16 home runs, 31 RBIs. Otani leads the majors. That's that's Major League Baseball. Otani leads the majors in home runs, RBI, slugging, OPS plus, and total bases, and has 127 strikeouts on the mound, third most in baseball. It's mythical. These numbers are flat out mythical. And the Angels during that time have won 14 of their last 21 dating back to June 4th, which, by the way, is the best record in the AAL. So, yeah, it's called Dilemma Time. John, Go back to our buddy John Lund. It's the Daily Dilemma. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, no matter how good he is and no matter what, if you know he's not going to sign with you, what do you do? What's the right business decision? Write it out or dump him yeah, but, for, for huge prospects? Yeah, I would – yeah, it's it's a very interesting thing to Perry Manassian, Artie Moreno. They have to figure out, but I think if they're not anywhere near to feel like they're not going to make a push, which they're going to feel like they're going to be in it probably till August 1st, um, why w- again, you, why would you not deal him? Because then you don't have to worry about losing him for nothing when he goes to sign potentially with the Dodgers in the offseason. All righty. Are we going to go to Ruco here? Yeah, we'll go to Ruco here. Cody, I've had a fun time on the show today. It was a good show. We'll be back on uh, – Friday. Back on Friday at the Treehouse. Yeah, we got. Did, did, let me promote it. I'll, I'll promote it here. I'll come back on camera for a second. Talk to him earlier. We're gonna have Liam Hendricks. He's gonna be here in Oakland, so we're gonna. Oh, he is coming. Yeah. Awesome. So I talked to him earlier. We're gonna tape him. Uh, we're gonna try to. Yeah, we'll probably try to tape him, and we can probably do as long as we want with him. He'll talk with us forever. I'm, well, he'll probably. Yeah. We'll probably tell him we have to go because he won't stop talking. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So. I'll say, I told him I'll, te- I'll reach out and te- set everything up tomorrow or Friday morning with him. But, yeah, Liam's going to be here, uh, which is good. It'll be great to see him because we haven't seen him since the whole cancer diagnosis and being on yeah. the injury list. So it'll be great to catch up with him in person. Oh, good call. Good call. All righty. It's been a great show. Ryan Rucco, it's not over yet. From the Yes Network, calling the Yankee game tonight, is going to join us next. And then we will have A's Total Access brought to you by Chevron. And then after the game, we will all be, Jessica Kleinschmidt, Cody and I will all be on the A's postgame show. We call it the Clubhouse Show. I'll join it about midway. Thank you for watching A's Cast Live. It's been a lot of fun doing it. We'll be back on Friday from the Treehouse. Are we going to go to a break, Cody, or you just want to throw to Ryan now? I'll throw to Ryan now. That's fine. All right, here is one of the voices of the Yankees, Ryan Rucco. We're getting ready for the Athletics and the Yankees game two of this three-game set. And obviously, it's one thing I said going into yesterday's game. I mean, you look at these two offenses. 
we're looking at two offenses that are really struggling. We've talked about it all year long from the A's perspective. From the Yankees' perspective, a whole different deal. I know Judge is out, but even if Judge is out, you shouldn't be this bad. Yeah, no, without question. This isn't basketball, right, where, you know, if the uh, Warriors, and, and they don't even do this, but if the Warriors went in the tank because Steph Curry's hurt, okay, like you understand why all of a sudden they're losing games, right? If, if the Denver Nuggets um, all of a sudden are playing like a, you know, well below 500 team because Nikola Jokic is out, you understand. Baseball doesn't usually work like that, but Aaron Judge's uh, impact has been – NBA franchise star like this year when he has been available or not been available. Now, obviously he's great. And, um, you know, he's the MVP last year for a reason, but the rest of the lineup really has struggled when he hasn't been in there. And I think, you know, the places you'd look to first would be Rizzo, LeMahieu and Stanton, because those are places where you still expect to get production. Rizzo has started to come around over the last week, um, but he had gone through quite a slump when Judge got hurt. Uh, Stanton really hasn't found his swing yet since coming off the IL. He's hitting about 100. And LeMayhew has had now basically a a month and a half long struggle. And if those guys aren't going to produce, this offense just isn't going to be good. And those guys not only have to produce when Judge is here for the offense to be good, but they need to produce even more when he's gone and they just have not done it. So, I mean, it is the, the Yankees right now are having a historically bad offensive month. There is a chance that uh, they are going to set the franchise mark for futility for batting average and on base percentage in a single month. That's how bad they've been offensively this month. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm surprised I kept it, but we get the MLB network notes every single day. I I kept mine last from last year. I went back into my email because basically the A's are taking on the Yankees. We took on the Yankees. It was the exact same time last June. I just want to give you an idea where the Yankees were last June at this exact same time. These are the notes from June 29th. Obviously, today's the 28th, but June 29th. 2022 it says the bombers lead major league baseball with 55 home runs in june more than the a's that hit all season long the yankees are on pace to win 119 games we were talking about the yankees being on this historic pace last june boy what a change yeah it's been a lot different i I think you know there's a, a few things that are really impressive about this yankee team and then a few things that are really concerning and if things don't change would be fatal flaws the impressive has been the way the pitching staff has pitched effectively throughout this season regardless of injuries you know they've had some very key pieces in the bullpen hurt for big lengths of time and the bullpen is still by far and away best in the baseball when it comes to ERA and if you look at every single reliever who they've used (laughs) or, or who's there right now they are all well above average when it comes to ERA plus, like soaring past that. So it's not just one or two contributors uplifting the rest of the group. It's the entire bullpen. The other thing is the starting rotation, despite not having Rodon, despite Severino missing a huge chunk of time, Nestor Cortez on the IL, they've still by and large done a nice job. Cole has been terrific. um, And then they've patched it together with good spurts from other starters, Schmidt, Uh, has been really good of late. We'll see him in the Thursday game of this series. Um, But I think organizationally, 
the Yankees have found something with pitching and run prevention. Year in, year out, they are towards the top of Major League Baseball in that department. Organizationally, I think there's things that you can start to be concerned about offensively because this is becoming, even though you just cited some positive offensive stats from last year, there's something that feels like it's becoming a little bit of a theme with their offense. Um, and, you know, there, there's just been there's been a lack of sort of athleticism in the lineup that hits for average for a while. And sometimes they can slug their way through it and sometimes they can't. And right now there's just there's not enough slugging to mask the lack of hitting. If that makes sense, and uh, perfect. What I was thinking the exact. We've kind of been talking about this because we're watching it, and I'm so glad you brought that aspect up because when you look at the Rays, when you look at the Orioles, when you look at the Diamondbacks, Cincinnati Reds are hot right now. This young athletic team, as rules are changing and where baseball wants to go. We're trying to break out of this three true outcome strikeout and the A's. We've been built on home runs, of course. Strikeouts, home runs, walks, right? Moneyball. It's what we were all about when we've made the playoff runs 12, 13, 14, or 18, 19, 20. It was home runs or bust. We're now seeing these, and I think really with the Orioles, Rays are always, Rays are in a lot of home runs. But I think about this young Orioles team. I mean, you guys are living it in your division. We're living it in the National League. I mean, there's something about this athleticism. It plays on defense. It plays on offense. So if you're not hitting home runs, other ways to win. And the Yankees for so long, like when the A's have been good, you're built on home. You're built on dingers. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the A's have struggled in October, maybe partially yep. as a result of that, you know, in, in those years. And and the Yankees have struggled in October for a while now, too. And, and more often than not, the culprit has been the offense. And I think a lot of it has to do with that. There's, you know, over the course of a season, the macroeconomics will state that if you hit home runs like that, you're going to win, you know, your, your fair share of games, which of course you are, but October is played in the micro. And so you need to be good at some of those things. And there needs to be a diversity in the way that you score. And I fully believe that. And I'm someone who very much embraces the uh, helpful tools of analytics. Um, And so I'm not somebody who's a, you know, get off my lawn person with that at all. But I also think that there has to be an open-mindedness and a curiosity about yourselves. And if you're failing in similar ways over and over again at the time of year when it matters most, I think you need to dive into why. And I think the Yankees have tried to do that. I think it's why they they acquired Benintendi last year, thinking they needed that kind of hitter in their lineup. And the one thing I'd give them uh, some slack on is LeMayu and Benintendi were both out last year in the playoffs. Those were the two kind of hitters they needed in their lineup at that time of year when they lost in the ALCS the Astros. But right now, Mameyu has not looked anywhere near like himself, and they didn't really replace the Benintendi. So they just have uh, they have a lot of um, you know they have a lot of outs in the lineup right now. I think an encouraging sign offensively for them from Tuesday was we saw Anthony Volpe sort of I thought take some different swings. He's been he's been a little all or nothing as well, but we saw him hit a hit a couple line drives up the middle, one which was caught, one which was a base hit then hit a line drive to right. And for me, I noticed it looked like he was just, that's what he was trying to do, not just trying to to crank it. Um, So you wonder if you could see a little bit more of that. He's the guy who I'd look to and say, okay, what can he be? Can he be that athletic piece? Can he be a little bit more of that contact-oriented hitter um, in the lineup eventually, uh, who's who's got dynamic athleticism. But 
But yeah, otherwise, if Stan doesn't slug and, you know, if LeMahieu doesn't become LeMahieu um, and they don't get judged back, it's really hard for them to score runs. Yeah, I heard Volpe went back home to his parents' house and one of his minor league buddies is living with his parents and they were talking about his stance and, hey, who knows, change whatever you need to change to make it work. You mentioned the analytics department and I find it fascinating because baseball obviously wants everybody to be more similar and limit how big your department is. But I think of you can take the Yankees, you can take the Dodgers. These big analytics department have been fabulous at making pitchers better. Hitting, I don't know why yet. We're still trying to figure that out. But there's been something about pitch shaping, using technology, bringing in some really smart people, working with the pitching staff and the pitching coaches and taking the technology and the data and the pitchers. It's tough for hitting, but, I mean, you can speak to it. Yankees, Dodgers, you've seen – Big analytics department truly make their pitching staffs better. And you mentioned the Yankees bullpen has been fabulous this year. Well, it's incredible. And that's the thing when I think sometimes fans get really uh, upset and into the narrative of, oh, you know, they've let the analytics take this team over and this is the issues. You have to be honest about how impactful the analytics department has been positively for the run prevention that the Yankees have year in and year out for what they've done for their pitching staff. So it's been incredible the way that they find, you know, different relievers and are able to access the very best of them and duplicate it. You know, Sam Breen, who Yankees brought over from driveline has been an incredible asset to be their uh, director of pitching Matt Blake, what he's done at the major league level. Um, it's hard to quibble with what the Yankees have done with their pitching staff and the way that the analytics and their research has aided um, the way they build and maximize their pitching staff. So I think that's where we dive into nuance, right? Kind of what you're saying, like, okay, this is clearly a massive net positive. I think there's things that are really positive about what they're doing offensively as far as finding guys like a Billy McKinney or Jake Bowers or in years past, a, a Mike Talkman, uh, you know, a guy who had credentials but had struggled for a couple of years, Matt Carpenter last year, a Luke Voigt, finding those guys and, and the numbers helping tell them there's a bigger story here, right, and getting some major league usage out of those guys. But then is there something else that's a little too homogenized in the offensive approach of the team that doesn't allow for a flexibility in how you score runs that eventually becomes your fatal flaw, that eventually becomes your undoing. And that's something I'd want to be really honest and curious about if I was the Yankees, because to me, it feels like they kind of have the same formula for their undoing during this stretch. And they're still really good. They're still never going to be bad, but like to get over the top back to championship caliber, maybe that's what needs to be figured out. I know you got to get out of here. So, so let's end on this. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. Aaron judge is not able to play in this series. Obviously he's, he's from the central Valley, a lot of family coming over here and he's one of the biggest stars in our game. And we want our stars to be healthy, especially when they go on the road to promote our games. It's the Yankees, it's Aaron judge. So it's tough that we're just seeing him in the dugout, but if you could kind of look into your crystal ball, cause we don't know if it's early August, mid August, late August, when he will be back rest is the only thing that's going to take care of him. What do you think the Yankees record will look like when he does come back? They pitch so well that I think they probably can hover around where they're at now, you know, somewhere between six, you know, five and 10 games over 500 so that they were playing 500 ball or a little worse without him. 
Um, the schedule should be softer right now, obviously, an opponent like Oakland who struggled this year, but the A's take the first game of the series, right? So that's baseball. Um, but I think that they'll be able to hold serve and tread water to be in wild card range, even if they're not in the race, only a game or two out. And then this is the argument you build if you're the Yankees where you think, you know, you can still achieve the ultimate prize. And you get Judge back. You're getting Rodon back. Severino's starting to round into form. Your pitching's already really good. Your bullpen's incredible. And if you can make a trade for one hitter and, let's say, Volpe continues to develop and someone else becomes, you know, a hitter that you trust in that lineup and Stanton, Rizzo, LeMayu get a little closer to the back of their baseball card, you can start to convince yourself of, okay, well, look, this team's going to be tough in October. And you kind of hope that all the injuries you've dealt with, you got out of the way early. Last year, they were very healthy when they built that record you were talking about when they were on a 119-win pace, and then they got crushed by injuries the second half of the season. This year, they've gotten absolutely demolished by injuries the first half of the season. Let's see if they get healthy the second half, if, if maybe the ceiling on this team is a little higher than people think. Hey, great stuff. We truly appreciate it. And uh, good luck the rest of the season. Let's talk later on during the year. That sounds great. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's summertime, and I can guarantee you, you probably need to redo your wardrobe. You, you want to look good, and you want to feel comfortable. This is Chris Townsend, and you got to go check out my friends at Link Soul. They've got all the finest fabrics. You're going to love the shirts, the polos, the shorts, you name it. Redo your look for summertime. Go to LinkSoul.com right now, and you can get an offer for 20% off. Remember, in the big leagues, to play good, you got to look good. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.